What is going on, Next Level Church? It is good to see you. Yeah, woo, glad you're here. Man, it is so good to be back. The last couple of weeks, been uh, out just hanging a lot with my family. And last weekend was, uh, was our annual sojourn to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for our 26th year as a family tradition of going to the Indianapolis 500. It's a three-generation thing now. It started out as my dad and myself. Uh, and my brother, and then we have now, a couple years ago, added my son, who's almost 12, 11-year-old son, Will, goes with us as well. So we were up in Indianapolis uh, last weekend for the Indianapolis 500 and just had an amazing, amazing time. But it is good to be here. One of the things uh, we did uh, while we were in Indianapolis on, on the Monday after the race on Sunday, we, we were sitting at Starbucks. My mom and dad were there and myself and my, my oldest son, Will. And so we were sitting around Starbucks just drinking coffee and just kind of reminiscing and talking about life and, you know, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, whatever, you know, just leadership and stuff. And my mom and dad and I got to talking about, you know, just some, some life principles, some life lessons, if you will, and some, some concepts. And I remember at one point I actually turned to my son, Will, and I said, I am so glad that you're here. Like, I'm so glad that you're getting to hear what we're talking about today. I'm so glad that, that you're around this table while we're discussing these things. And you know, we got to thinking about this idea of being around the table, if you will, and how some of the greatest lessons in our life are learned around a table, whether it was in college with some roommates and, and we, you know, would, would sit around at 3 a.m. around a table eating pizza and talking about, you know, life, or whether it's with a mom or a dad or a parent or a loved one or a teacher or someone, some of the greatest lessons we ever learn in life are learned around the table. And so as we begin to think about this summer series, we've got this idea that, that we wanted to talk about some life lessons, and particularly we want to look at the book of Galatians. And so for the next six weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be studying the book of Galatians. And what we're going to do is we're going to pull up a chair next to the great Apostle Paul, who was like a spiritual father to so many. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And one of the, the books of the Bible that he wrote was this book of Galatians. And so we're going to be studying the book of Galatians as if we're pulling up a chair next to our dad, our spiritual father, a mentor for all of us, the Apostle Paul. So if you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 is where we're going to start out reading, and we're going to talk about it. And while you're turning there, let me give you a little background information. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, it's fine. The verse will be on the screen, uh, so you'll be able to follow along there. While you're turning to the book of Galatians, if you have your Bible or you have a smartphone and you can look it up there, uh, let me give you a little background information. See, the churches in Galatia were a, a cluster of churches, a group of churches that the Apostle Paul had helped start and was now overseeing the ministry that was going on there. And there was a move of God going on, and so many people were putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's writing to them because there were some religious leaders of the day who had, had crept into their fellowship, crept into those churches, and were trying to convince them to, to go a different direction with their faith. So the Apostle Paul basically pulls up a chair, if you will. He writes them a letter, and he says, i got some advice for you. I've got some things that I want to talk to you about to make sure that you don't forget. So that's what we're going to be talking about throughout the six weeks of this series. Let's begin reading Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so what's going on here? Basically this. This is like the modern day equivalent of Paul going, what's up? Like, that's what he's doing. Like, if this were a voicemail, that's what he's doing. He's like, hey, this is the Apostle Paul. Just want you to know that I love you, and I've been chosen by God to speak into your life, and I got all of the brothers here with me. Everybody say hi. Hi, man. Hey, what's up, Church of Man, love you guys. Okay, like, that's what he's doing right here. He's just like, what's up? Good to see you. Okay, so then in five and six, verses five and six, he kind of transitions into, like, dad mode. Look, verse six. I'm astonished, dad said. That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm, I'm actually surprised to hear that so many of you are allowing these other voices in the culture, these other voices in your world, in your city that you're living in. I'm, I'm actually surprised to hear that so many of you are letting these other voices in the world today contaminate and compromise your faith. I'm actually I'm actually concerned about that. Verse 7, look, evidently, Paul says, writes, some people are throwing you into confusion. And then over the next few verses, Paul basically gives what I would call four pieces of advice. If you have your bulletin, I would love for you to open it all the way up on the inside there. You can find some fill in the blanks of these four pieces of advice that Paul gives not only to the churches of Galatia, but he also is giving to each one of us living in our day and age today as well. If you have your bulletin, you want to write this down. Here's the first one. Number one, uh, the first piece of advice that Paul wants to remind them of is that the world we live in always wants to complicate things. The world we live in always wants to complicate things. He says, evidently, some people are trying to throw you into confusion. Evidently, there are some people who are trying to complicate your life, your faith, your belief system. They're trying to make it complicated for you. And Paul just calls that out. He just is like, what is up with complicated people? What is up with people who want to make things complicated? And here's what I realized. What's true for them is true for us. Have you ever noticed how life kind of drifts toward complicated? I feel like the older I get, the older my kids get, like the more complicated it gets. Anybody else relate to it? Like, I'm like, what? I mean, between practices and rehearsals and recitals and parents, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just like, what is going on? Like, like life drifts toward complicated, doesn't it? Evidently, the, the culture they were living in and the culture we're living in in our day and age today is always drifting or migrating toward complicated. And Paul writes and he says, we've got to cut the confusion. We've got to cut the complicated. Like, remember when we used to just order coffee? <laughs> that now we're like ordering a tall, grande, venti, something, kappa, something, quad, with a dopeo something, just like, gee, money, something, no whip, non-fat, mocha, light, a chino. <laughs> what? What is going on? Coffee. When did it get so hard? When? When, I ask you, when? Like, what is going on? Why? Because life drips toward complicated, doesn't it? Unbelievable. Like my wife and I, we just got a new car for my wife a few weeks ago. And man, we bought the car, the guy who sold it to us, great dude. And he's like, okay, now here's your manual. And it's like this thick. Like when they got to give you volumes 
for your manual, not volume like the pill, like volumes like the encyclopedia. Come on, people. Where's your head? What, what's going on right now? With like, right, like It's like 450 pages. Like I tried to set our garage door opener to the little button dealie on the windshield dealer, whatever it is. You know, the sun bite. I'm like, I can't find it. And I, I look for like 30 minutes. I'm like, where is the thing? And I, here's what I love. I love that the car manufacturers know that nobody's going to try and read that thing. So you know what they do? They give you the big fatty 450 dealio, right? And then they're like, here's the eight-page guide of what you really need to know. <laughs> well, why didn't you just give me that in the first place? Like, what is going on? Like, life drifts toward complicated, doesn't it? And I think if there's, if there's one application, a first application that we can make this weekend, as we head into a summer season in all of our lives, here, here's one. What has become unnecessarily complicated in your life? Where are those areas in our life where things have just become unnecessarily complicated? Maybe it's situations. Maybe it's things that we keep adding to our calendar, adding to our schedule. Maybe, maybe it's people. And for a season, they were cool, and now all of a sudden, they're complicated. Okay, here, here's a question for us. What would it look like for us to uncomplicate those areas of our life in the next 30 days? What could that look like? What could it look like for us to, to begin to zoom out and go, evidently, our culture is trying to complicate and confuse things in my life, and what I need is more simple. I need to keep my life as simple as possible. Yeah, but math, they're all good things. I know, but here's the problem with too many good things. They eventually, if we have too many good things in our life, they eventually crowd out the great things. And some of us have got a lot of good things in our life that are complicating our life to a degree that the great things, the, the essential things, are starting to get shoved out. So Paul writes and he says, hey, you, you Galatian believers, you, you got to get this. Listen, there's some people that are evidently trying to make your life complicated, trying to confuse you. Look, verse 7, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Number two, if you're taking notes, the temptation of our world will always be rules creep. Will always be rules creep. See, these religious leaders were, were coming into the, to these Galatian churches and they were trying to convince these believers that they needed, that, that Jesus wasn't enough. They were trying to convince the Galatian believers that, that it, Jesus, uh, they're like, good, we're glad about Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Okay, good. Jesus. But it's Jesus and. And so they were trying to add things to their faith in Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And they were saying, yes, it's Jesus, but it's Jesus and good works. It's Jesus and do this. It's Jesus and don't do that. It's Jesus, eat this. It's Jesus and don't eat that. And they were adding all of these things. And Paul is, is writing to them to say, hey, listen, I got some advice for you. Come here, pull up a chair around the table. Let me tell you something. The world we live in will always have this rules creep in, inside of it. And you got to be aware of that. Look, verse 8, I love this. And so he kind of just breaks it wide open. Look what he says. But even if we, speaking of himself, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. That's like the biblical equivalent of like a swear word. That's like booyah, booyah, booyah. That's like three booyahs. Like that's what he's doing right there. Paul basically writes to you, so listen, let me just go on record as saying this. If we or 
an angelic being for crying out loud or anybody else tries to tell you that it's the grace of Jesus plus anything, booyah. That's what he's saying. Look, verse 9. Verse 9. As, as we have already said, so now I say again. This is, this, you know what this is? This is him being dad going, I'm about to tell you twice. <laughs> Son, come here. Sit down. I told you once. I'm going to tell you twice. Look, verse 9. Look what he says. If I've already said, so now I'll say again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, booyah, booyah, booyah. That's what he says right there. He's like, I want you to get this. No rules creep. No, 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 no. Listen, it is the grace of Jesus alone. It is the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary alone. And our faith in it that saves us. Nothing else. I want to I give us an, an illustration this weekend that I've actually, we came across this several years ago in terms of uh, unpacking and explaining this idea of the grace of Jesus in our life and what, what accepting Christ means. I want to give you this picture because I think it's so powerful. So, so let's say our life is like a continuum, okay? Uh, that, and, and on one end is like plus 100, the other end is like minus 100. Okay, so, so because we're sinners, because we have a sin nature, because we've done things wrong, we're imperfect human beings, all of us are on the negative side of zero. So all of us, because we've sinned, you know, maybe you're at a negative 50 or you're at a negative, you know, 80, negative 100. Some of you are like, bro, keep sliding the scale out. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Like 150,000. <laughs> like you're like sliding the gray scale. You're like way down here. Way down here, there's seats for you. Good news. Okay, so, so some of us, all right, so, so, so watch this. Because we're the sin nature inside of us, we're on the negative side of the scale. Well, here's the deal. Some religious leaders and some religions teach that in order to be in good standing with God, in order to get back to zero, you have to do good work. So, so you have to give and you have to, a percentage of your income, you have to serve or you have to help the poor, or you have to, you know, do whatever, like be a church attendance or whatever. So they basically say, if you could do good works, then you can kind of work your way. But here's the deal. God understood, God knew that no amount of good works would ever be enough to get us back to perfect, back to zero. So watch this. God sent Jesus to this earth to live a, a perfect, sinless life, die on a cross as payment for our debt, our deficit, so no matter if our deficit is minus 70 or minus 170 or 170,000, watch this. That's why Jesus came. Because when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, here's what he does. He basically takes us and he, he cancels the debt. He removes the deficit. And now he puts us on zero. And then he basically says, now, are Christians supposed to do good works? Yes, but not so we can earn a right standing with God. We're supposed to do good works so that we can live on the plus side of the continuum. So now we get to spend the rest of our life living because of the grace of Jesus alone. We get to live on the plus side. So now when we do good works, now when we serve people, now when we're generous, now when we give, now when we help the poor, now when we do those things, now we're living on the plus side of the scale, not on the negative side of the scale. That's what it means to, to walk in, to put our faith in Jesus Christ, the grace of of Jesus, for it is by grace alone that you are saved. And this, not of itself. It's not good works. It's, it's not any of that. It's not Jesus plus going to church. It's not Jesus plus 
giving a percentage of our income. It's not Jesus plus helping somebody else or serving or attending or whatever. No, listen, we do all of that because of the grace of Jesus, because we're living on this side of the continuum of grace. Does that make sense? So, so here's, here's what I want us to understand. That's what Paul's writing to them about. That's why he's saying, hey, pull up a chair. I got some advice for it. I need to talk to you about this. Nobody can add anything to Jesus. It is the grace of Jesus alone that saves you, that gives you salvation. Now, here's what I want us to understand. What's true in our relationship with God is no less true in our relationship with others. For example, uh, let me say this. Like, like there are some marriages and you're living in a negative deficit reality in your marriage. That because the two of you are sinners, you're imperfect beings bounded together in this marriage thing, there's bound to be negative. There's bound to to be in, in the negative. But watch this. Some of us are actually holding our spouse hostage to the negative side of the continuum. That we're holding our spouse out here. And so, sure, he brings you flowers. And so you're like, okay, well, good. You went from negative 13 to negative 9. What else you got, big boy? Right? Like, we're constantly putting it out there. Or, well, he takes you on a date. Okay, well, now you're at negative 7. Well, he forgot to do such and such and clean up his you-know-what. And you're like, now you're back to negative 14. And watch this. Some of us are holding our marriage and our spouse hostage because nothing that person can ever do. And they've repented. They've said they're sorry. They said that they acknowledge that they've hurt you and that they're going to work on it, that they're going to do better. But because of this negative, because you're in a graceless relationship, nothing that person can do can ever get them back to zero, to good standing with you. But watch this. When you enter grace into the equation. You know what happens? You don't just live on the positive side. The scale actually goes away. Because now, we've freed our spouse up to live on this side, and not just on this side of the continuum, to to do things for us, to love us simply because They love us because of who they are and because of who we are. When grace enters a marriage, it blows up the continuum. And some of us, this weekend, you need to insert the grace of Jesus into your marriage. Because otherwise you are living locked up inside of the negative side of that continuum. And it will hold your marriage and your spouse bound hostage until you insert the grace of God into your marriage. That's the power of this grace idea. And so Paul's writing to the churches in Galatia saying, listen, you got to get this. I want you to get this. I want you to see this. And so he's giving them this advice. He continues on in verse 10. He says this. So he's talking about grace and you can't add anything to it. Then verse 10, he says this, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please Men. See, if I were still trying to please men, then I would not be a servant of Christ. Here's the third thing if you want to write it down. Our responsibility is to please God, not men. At the end of the day, our responsibility is to please God, not men. And so what Paul's doing right here is when he pulls the churches in Galatia around the table, so to speak, and gives them some advice, what he's doing right here is he's basically challenging them to check their motives. He's basically saying, listen, don't overcomplicate this. Keep it simple. You want simple? Here's simple. 
Check your motives. Ask yourself this question. Any decision you make in your life, am I doing this to please God or am I doing this to please men? That's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Like, and I wouldn't know anything about this. Like when your spouse gives you a list and says, go to the store. Coming home with only what's on the list, that's simple. It's just not easy. I'm telling you, so many times I come home, like there's eight things on the list. It should fit in a bag like this. Did you see that? I gave you, I gave you cubic <laughs> height, width. What is it? There you go. Yeah, you get it. Okay. Eight things on the list. Matt man goes to the store. She's like, it's all we need. It's all we need. We don't need a lot. Just need to get what's on the list. Simple. Simple. Baby, I love you. Positive side. I got the baby. I got you. So I come walking in with like six bags like this. You know, come on, man. You know what I'm talking about. You come walking in, you're like, honey, you'll never believe what was on sale. Do <laughs> you know how much money I save by spending all this money? Grace. Grace in that marriage right there, right? It's, it's simple. It's just not easy. And see, that's what Paul's saying here. Listen, you got to check your motives. If you want to keep your life uncomplicated, if you want to keep it unconfused, then you got to keep it simple. And the way you keep it simple is by checking your heart with every decision you make. Why are you doing that? Is it to please God or is it to please men? Because he takes it as far as to say, because if you're doing it to please men, then you're not doing it as a servant of Christ. Paul says, come here, get around the table. Come here, pull up a chair. Let me give you some fatherly advice. Ready? Here you go. Keep it simple. And the way you keep it simple is by checking your motives. Who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for God? Are you doing it for men? So in verses 11 and 12, then Paul kind of goes on and he unpacks a bit more about the gospel and the Jesus thing. And then in verse 13, verse 13, he, he breaks into a story. So he's like, okay, let me illustrate this. And some of us, you know what I'm talking about. You have friends who you could be anywhere, anytime, and they're just like, oh, hey, that reminds me of somebody. Let me tell you a story. Like, anybody know someone like that? Like, they're the people that, like, they're like, they're always just, like, breaking into story. They'll just be talking, and all of a sudden, they're like, that reminds me. And you're like, no, 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 it doesn't, no, it doesn't, no, it doesn't, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to remind you this time. It doesn't have to remind you this time. Too late. Okay, that's Paul. Like, he was one of those guys that, man, it was sitting around the table. It wasn't about the food, baby. It was about hanging out and telling stories. So here's Paul riding to the churches in Galatia, and he's like, okay, that reminds me of a story. And this time, the story wasn't about somebody else. This time, the story was about him. Look what he says, verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God, tried to destroy it. I was advancing, he writes, in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. So he's just telling them about his past. And then verse 15, look what he says. But when God. I love that. I love that phrase. But when God. See, here's what was going on. The religious leaders of the day were trying to pull the believers in the churches in Galatia into debate, into theological debates, into belief arguments, into all of this 
confusing, chaotic debating. And Paul says, you know what? I can do all that. I I, I can debate with the best of them. I can do all of that. But rather than debating, rather than entering into the argument, entering into the fray, you know what Paul does? Paul shares with them the one thing that was not debatable. His own personal story. In Next Level Church, my heart this summer is that you and I would recapture this idea that the most simple and most powerful thing we have in our possession is our story. Because see, we can debate all day long. We can debate doctrine. We can debate beliefs. We can debate politics. We can debate all of those things. But Paul writes to the churches in Galatia and he says, I don't want to debate. You know what I want to do? I want to share my story with you. Because see, before Jesus, I persecuted the church. I was evil. I was dark. I was messed up. My life was on the wrong path. But when came on the scene. But when God entered the story, everything else changed for me. I was headed down the wrong path. I was going in a direction. My life was on a trajectory that was not good. But when God got a hold of me, He pulled me back on the right path. My marriage was on the edge, man. We were talking about things and having conversations that we swore we'd never have. We were talking separation. We were talking the D word. We were talking divorce. We were talking all of those things. But when God got involved, I had an idea about what I wanted my life to become. And it was a good idea. It was a good plan. I was, I was headed in a good direction. But when God got my attention, he put me on a different course. One of my favorite things in all the world right now, and I'm being serious, and I have a lot of really good things that are going on in my world. One of my favorite things in my world right now is getting to hear so many of your but when God stories. Every Monday afternoon at four o'clock, we have a standing staff meeting where it's the one time all week when our staff gets together. And the first thing we do in staff meeting every Monday afternoon is we celebrate wins. And for us, a win is a name and a story. And so we'll go around the table, and I'm telling you, you guys, it is electric. <laughs> Sarah and I are standing there just, just catching eyes with one another, just beaming from ear to ear, listening to our staff, just jumping in on each other and cutting each other off and going, I got one, I got one, I have two, I have four. I have the, Why? Because there's so many of you who are coming up to us, who are telling us, who are Facebooking us, who are reporting to us, 
But when God, my life was going this way, but when God got involved, my life was going this way, but when God got involved, I was headed on a particular path that wasn't leading me ultimately where God wanted me to go. But when God, and my favorite time of the week is Mondays at 4 o'clock when I get to hear our team share story after story after story. I'm telling you, it's one of the most favorite things in my life right now. But when God, I think about our Connection Group magazine and the story of Tiffany and Jasmine on the cover. If you've not read her story, her story, you know what her story is? It's a story of I was going this direction. But when God. And Next Level Church, my prayer for this summer, for the weeks of this series, my prayer is that you and I would recapture the power and the simplicity of our but when God story. That's the power. It's not in the debate. It's not in the arguments. It's not in all of that. Listen, the power of the message of the grace of Jesus is found when you and I can examine our life and find the but when God moments. That's the most powerful argument of all. The argument of a changed life. We can debate anything you want all day long. But when we share our story with someone, that's when life change happens. That's when light bulbs come on. That's when eyes are opened. That's when people cross lines in their heart and put their faith in Jesus as well. So here's my challenge to us this weekend, Next Level Church, as we begin this Around the Table series, talking about life lessons from the book of Galatians with our mentor, Paul. My challenge to us is is twofold. First of all, I want to go back to that whole complicated thing and challenge you, what or who in your life is making it unnecessarily complicated? And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you as we pray, even here in just a moment, together as a community of believers this weekend. I want to challenge you to open up your heart and say, God, where are those people? Who are those people? Listen, summer's the perfect time. You know why? Because you can say to people, you know, it's summer and we're just not going to do that. We're just not going to be a part of that. You know, it's summer. And they're like, well, what's summer got to do with it? Well, I don't know. It's just a good excuse. (laughs) My pastor was talking about getting rid of complicated things and... I thought of you. and <laughs> See, don't do that. Blame it on summer. There you go. See, it's easier to blame it on summer. Don't do that. Come on, two weeks, two weeks. In the next two weeks, you're going to get rid of some uncomplicated or complicated things, and you're going to get rid of some of us. It is relationships. It is people. And they were good for a season, but now they're just making things complicated, and you just need to start to build some distance. It's okay. So that's my first challenge. My second challenge to us, is what we talked about in terms of our story. Man, my prayer for us as a church community is that we would recapture the simplicity and the power contained in our but, when, God stories. And my prayer would be that in the next two weeks, God would give every single one of us 
who are followers of Jesus the opportunity to share our but when God story with someone else. And it may surprise you. Like, it'll come out of nowhere. And you'll be like, oh, wow, hey, there it is. Oh, good, I got to share my story. I didn't even realize I wasn't ready. Yeah, well, get ready. I'm just believing that God's going to give us in the weeks ahead an opportunity to share our story with someone else. Because that's the most simple and most powerful tool that we possess. So across this place, can we pray together this weekend? Father, I just come to you right now. And I thank you for our story. God, I thank you for the power of our story. And Lord, I pray for every single person who's listening to this message this weekend in some environment. Lord, I pray for them. I pray, God, for for the searchlight of your Holy Spirit right now to just come on and illuminate areas or, or individuals in our life that are bringing unnecessary complication. And I pray for courage for every one of us. That in the days ahead, as as we see situations, we see things that have added on or kind of attached themselves to our life that are making it complicated, more complicated than it needs to be, I pray you give us courage to to push away from those things and to cut those things out. Father, I pray over this grace message as well. Lord, even right now while we're praying, God, I, I can't help but think that there are so many of us who are listening right now And you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never understood it until you saw that continuum thing this weekend. And you've been trying to earn your way. You've been trying to think that it was good works. And if I just be a better person, if I'm just nicer to what, okay, yes, but no. And I just believe that right now God's illuminating for so many of us this grace message. And you've never put your faith in the grace of Jesus. And you want to do that right now. So Father, I just pray on behalf of them, Lord, we just acknowledge that we're on the negative side of that, that there's a debt, there's a deficit. And we just ask you for your grace to forgive us. Lord, we acknowledge that your blood on the cross was shed for us as payment, sufficient payment to bring us into right standing. And we just accept that right now. Father, I pray over marriages. Lord, there are some marriages represented here this weekend who have been living in the negative deficit. Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would infuse supernatural grace. Grace into those relationships, Jesus. And then, Father, I do pray for every one of us who are listening this weekend that you would be with us And that in the days ahead, you would help us to recapture the simplicity and the power that's found in our but when God story. Father, would you give us the ability to share that story with someone in the weeks ahead, we pray. Lord, thank you for these life lessons that we're learning from the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians. Thank you, God, that you give us the ability to pull up a chair next to him, be seated at the table, and learn about life. God, we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen.